in the name of God, who is love, the beloved one, and the begetter of love. Amen. I'd like to begin with a memory. Back in the 1970s, a good friend of mine, a priest like myself, would take our children on a trek up Mount Monadnock, a solitary mountain in the southern part of New Hampshire, where we both had parishes. We planned this trip around Labor Day, just before duties in our parishes would be picking up and we'd put our noses to the grindstone till Christmas. It was during a time when the services that would become part of the Book of Common Prayer that we've been using now for more than 40 years were first being tried out in certain parishes to see how well they were going down. They were not going down well. <laughs> My friend had his own difficulties in the congregation he was serving, and I had regularly to receive amused phone calls from the bishop to let me know that a delegation from my parish had just left his office complaining about the horrible services I was inventing in the basement, <laughs> beseeching him to stop me immediately from doing such prayer book desecration. Well, we went up Mount Monadnock. It's not an easy climb. There were boulders making the way hard for children and wild blackberry vines pricking your skin. But the view from the top made it all worth it. Sitting there on the rocks, letting the kids play on the summit, we sat there silently looking down over the fields and forests glowing in the late summer afternoon sunshine, with the sunlight catching the surface of the lakes and ponds. My friend and I would talk over what we had to do until we could, from the beginning of September, until we could meet again after Christmas to relax. Now, I don't think it's by chance that this memory comes unbidden to my mind. For here at the Cathedral of All Souls, we are at a comparable place in our lives now. We have a view like one from a mountaintop. The cathedral profile is about to be released for all to read, and the discernment committee will shortly be receiving a wondrous number of candidates for the position of dean. A whirlwind of activity will whip up as profiles of candidates accumulate. Communication with them is initiated. The crowd of candidates is narrowed down. Visits are made by the top contenders. A choice is finally arrived at. And on the tiptoe of anticipation, we await the revealing of the name of the person selected and the day when we can welcome the arrival of the new dean. At this point, we can imagine the landscape of these next months unveiled before our eyes, lying open to us like a landscape. 
There'll certainly be times when it'll feel like a slog up the mountain. But just as my friend and I knew all the sweat and struggle clamoring up Mount Monadnock would be reward, rewarded by the most glorious and healing view of miles and miles of New Hampshire, Vermont, and Massachusetts, stretching out towards the horizon like a green carpet. So we here, who have been on such a long journey already, can begin to see that our wanderings will have an end, and that a whole new chapter, prepared and irradiated by the light of God's presence and goodwill unfolding before us. And blessed Julianus of Norwich can say to all of us now, all shall be well. All shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. We must listen to her. I have a caution to make at this point. These next months aren't a few hours hike up a mountain. They won't be easy like that. In the knapsack we must carry with us for these months to come, we'll need sustenance to keep us from growing faint or weary, or be tempted to imitate the people of Israel, wandering in the desert before reaching the promised land, who grew anxious and contentious, rebelling against Moses and the leaders who assisted him. And just as if an angel were to appear to us to show us the way, the readings for this Sunday provide us with just what we need to feed our spirits and to direct our actions during these next months. Jesus will remind us of the virtues we'll need for the time ahead, and the psalm for this Sunday will describe for us how to live. This Sunday's gospel is part of what you might call Jesus' sermon to his disciples, which makes it perfect for us who are also Jesus' disciples. He sits these disciples down, away from the crowds, and describes to them the virtues that will preserve them as they walk the roads of the Galilee, witnessing and participating in their master's ministry. This is how you should act if you would follow me, he says. And it's the same message he has for us, too. First of all, give of yourself during these months to come. Give your patience. Restrain a natural inclination to want to rush things along or indulge in second-guessing. Treat those who are taking the lead in making the way straight for our new dean as you'd like to be treated if you were doing their work. This was a virtue Jesus often had to enjoin his disciples to practice as controversies began to swarm about their rabbi, their master, and tensions began to rise among the disciples. Mistakes and missteps are bound to happen. Cut those in charge the slack they need. 
there isn't a recipe, a rule book for landing a deed. Practice compassion and do not judge. Remember that good people produce good from the store of good within themselves. Jesus had to remind his chosen disciples of this truth. We need to remember it, too. Those, then, are some of the foundational virtues we'll need for the work ahead of us. And if we can practice them, making them our own, they'll give us the spiritual attitudes that will make this period to come not a chore, nor a slog, nor something to grit our teeth doing. And what these attitudes, these gifts we'll receive are, this Sunday's psalm spells out. Let me remind you of them. Settle in the land and find safe pasturage, the psalm sings. This is a time, these next months, when we can safely wander, my friends, can safely graze. It is a well-watered world, a place where what we will need will be more than provided for by God's goodness. Our cup will overflow, for this is God's work we are about, and to do God's work, God will furnish us with what we need. Trust in the Lord is also a word from the psalm. Trust in God and relax. Trust in God and let anxiety go. Trust in God and know that all will be well. Remember Dame Julian. And yes, the psalm has this also to tell us. Wait patiently for the Lord. Or as another translation puts it, be still before the Lord. Be like the farmer described in the letter of James, who knows well that the precious crop growing secretly in the soil must be waited for patiently. The early and the late rains must first water and nourish it. Likewise, we too must be patient and stout-hearted. For the Lord has a hand in what is happening and will surely bring it to fruit, making it yield a good harvest. And remember, finally, the choice of a new dean here isn't just some event centered in Biltmore Village in the year 2022, but is part of the great weaving and unveiling of God's plan of salvation. A step, yes, a small step, in the process in which God will be making all things new. A step, yes, a small step, that will one day bring to pass that new dawn when God's servants will see God face to face, when there will be no more night, nor will there be the need of lamp or the sun, for the Lord God will be the light, and God's people will rejoice on that day without end. 
There's a hymn that expresses this idea quite wonderfully. I wonder if you know it. God is working his purpose out as year succeeds to year. God is working his purpose out and the time is drawing near. Nearer and nearer draws the time, the time that shall surely be when the earth shall be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And as the hosts of heaven say it, so we say it too. Amen.